Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend Yes, yes, y'all. From the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Mothership here in beautiful Louisville, Texas, it's Texas Football Today, a show on a very special day. Mm-hmm. My name's Greg Tepper. I'm the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us. Whether you're watching us live on texasfootball.com, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch, or listening to us. Oh, we're not on Facebook. No. We're still fighting with Zuck. We think we've made some headway. <laughs> Right. It's about yeah. I think we've made some headway, but it's about to get to me fist fighting a, a man. So He's be prepared. Nerd. He's a nerd. Yeah. So you can... Tepper's in a bow tie, and I'm over here beating the crap out of someone. Yeah. So normal Tuesday normal here. Tuesday. <laughs> uh, or you listen to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part. Support your local mediocre internet show. I'm sitting here, sitting over there at the helm today, making us sound good. She's the Duchess of the Dorks. She's Ashley Pickle. In a comfortable hoodie and not a bow tie. That would have been funny if I had to wear a bow tie. Yeah. Like, we should have switched that. You I, should have had to show up in a ball gown. No. <laughs> that's, that's, first of all, where are we going to find a ball gown that big? That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, you and your massively broad shoulders over there. I, I, you know, I got to get a little, you know, a little bit of the wide. <laughs> I got, I got, I'm pretty broad. I'll say that. Sure. Uh, today is Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. 37 days to Thanksgiving. Happy birthday to Texas football today. Yeah. Today is our sixth birthday. Yeah. We have been doing this internet show for six years. That is the amount of nonsense that has accumulated. Six years. It's episode 1,264. Uh, So I did the math. That means we're averaging about 210 shows a year. That's nuts. That's a lot. That is nuts. That's a lot of shows. You know how much just pure content that, like, imagine breaking that up into segments. If you were, so if you were to, I want you to think about that. If you were to just, if you were to assume, and this is extremely conservative. Mm -hmm. If you were to assume that the average episode is only 30 minutes. Which it's not. No. It's not. But let's just say it is. That's 632 hours. Okay? That's 632 hours of, of content. That's 26 days. <laughs> Oof. Happy birthday. I was say, and and we, we threw in a seven-hour episode one point just October, for the fun of it. October 19th, 2015, we went on the air. Our first ever guest mm-hmm. was Rickland Holmes at Tyler High School. <laughs> um, Our first guest on uh, The Thousandth Show. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So I guess for our 2000th, we're just going to keep calling Rick. <laughs> like every, every five years. Or He's so. going to, yeah, I was going to say, he'll be retired He's one like, day. Oh, I guess that's true. <laughs> you know, Fine. you guys are still doing this thing. Yeah. Right, I figured, <laughs> you know, I figured I was doing you guys a favor because this thing would last five minutes. Anyway, uh, on today's show, guys, we got going to have our college football recap. Then we're going to talk with the hall of famer correct way. We'll unveil the DTTF top 10 plays of the week and much more in between. But first, do we have first four through the door? We sure do. And some fun names since we're here on YouTube, uh, Robert, Lago, I believe is how you would Nailed say it. it. Aaron Arbuckle, Jacob Sherman, and Coach Terry Crawford. Man, Terry Crawford. Welcome in, fellas. Just like his Panthers. Seven and no. Go Yeehaw. Panthers. Go Panthers. Although I will just point out, and I think the, I think you and I both know this to be true. Mm-hmm. You and I, severe lack of Abbott gear. I can say that I don't have any Panthers gear. Huh. Interesting. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's f- kick things off with, what are we kicking things off with? Our impactful leader. That's right. We're, we're kicking things off with our impactful leader. Uh, First National Bank of Omaha, the Dave Campbell's Text Football Impactful Leadership Award presented by First National Bank of Omaha recognizes 10 influential Texas high school football athletes who are leaders both on and off the field. Today, we are honoring out of Melissa High School, Carter Mortensen. Uh, out of Melissa High School, uh, our Dave Campbell's Texas Football Impactful Leadership Award presented by our friends at First National Bank of Omaha. To read more about what makes Carter a great leader, visit texasfootball.com. Thanks again to our friends at First National Bank of Omaha, and congratulations to Melissa's Carter Mortensen, our Dave Campbell's Texas Football Impactful Leadership Award presented by FNBO. I don't know if they wanted me to say FNBO, so First National Bank of Omaha. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a, a, a light, like an official thing that they want people saying, but uh, I mean, anyway, love you, First National Bank of Omaha. They might be like, yeah, that's that's what that's what the cool kids call this, you know? <laughs> All right, Pickle, it's time for our college football recap. Back on Thursday, way back in the Wayback Machine, me and Ishmael Johnson answered some burning questions about the college football weekend. Let's see how we ended up doing. What, what do we got going on? An oof for the first one. Um, do you buy that the Mean Green offense has figured itself out? Wet fart. That's a no. That's a <laughs> big no. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a no. Uh, my fi- actually, you know what? Final You're going answer, out on a limb there, man. Final answer is no. I'm gonna go with no. Uh, that was a um, a putrid performance. It, it was embarrassing. Um, a putrid performance. I don't think there's really any two ways about it. And you know, look, I. I think it's just fair to say that they're just going to play off the string. I mean, this is this is a, a, a this is a lost season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe Seth Luttrell can can rally the troops to get a couple wins down the stretch, but the offense was dreadful. Most especially, they were dreadful throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. They were really bad. They were really really bad. Now, part of it is they had to, but Austin Ani goes 16 of 30 for 121 yards, no touchdowns, an interception. He took two sacks. And it's the same problems, which is the offensive line can't protect, Mm-mm. and uh, inaccuracy is just a huge problem. They were dreadful offensively in this game, and yeah, uh, there's no reason to buy, think that they figured itself out. It's over for North Texas. It's it over, is. and I think it's over for South Latrell. I Plans agree. Safe. What's next, Pickle? Up next, another oof here. Why is Texas a touchdown favorite over an unbeaten OSU team? And well, another second half that just that they just stopped playing. Well, you know what's <laughs> funny? I think we saw why they were a touchdown favorite. Mm-hmm. We saw why they were a touchdown favorite, and then we very quickly saw like why they were wrong. Yep. Which is, 
Texas, for long stretches of this game, looked like they were going to run away with this game. Oh, they yeah. were driving up 17-3. to three. Mm-hmm. They were up 17-3 to three, uh, in, the, in the second quarter, right before halftime, mm-hmm. driving deep in, in Oklahoma State territory. Yeah. And you're thinking, all right, worst case scenario, they're coming out here 20-3. Mm-hmm. 17 points. Yep. And then pick six was the biggest play of the game, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Turn the whole tide. They go three and out. Oklahoma State goes down, gets a field goal. They go into halftime. Instead of 20-3, to they go in 17-13. Yep. And you're just like, here we go again. Yep. Um, it was it, it was literally so, instant flashback. So the funny thing is, I can see why Texas was a favorite. Yeah, OSU is not – hot that takes, is a, they're not very good. That <laughs> I, I think they're fine. They're fine. They're There's fine, nothing special. But they're not – yeah, exactly right. Like, they're undefeated, but they're not undefeated in the same way that, like, Georgia's undefeated. Right. Um, I don't think Spencer Rattler really – you mean Spencer has, Sanders? Spencer yeah. Sanders has really anything. I mean, yeah, obviously Spencer. He was, Spencer's not doing too hot. <laughs> he was fine. He was fine. He, you know, he was fine. That was what he was. I, I don't think he was especially good in this game. But in the end, he made the plays when they needed to. Mm-hmm. And the defense stepped up in a big way. And Texas kind of uh, farted. And down, you can't They do that farted and fell down down the stretch. And that was what ended up happening. Mm-hmm. What's next, Pickle? Um, up next, let's head over to Texas A&M. Is Zach Calzada's big game last week a flash in the pan or the new normal? And they got a 35-14 to 14 win over your Mizzou Tigers. They did. Shout out um, the suit. Um, and, and look, I'm not – I mean, there's nothing to make me think that, that, that it's not a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. That's a bad, bad Mizzou defense. Yep. And – now they didn't. You know, they got the running game going, obviously, and that ended up carry, uh, booing them. But I am a little concerned now. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm I'm a little bit concerned because I think that the passing game took a pretty sizable step backwards. Mm-hmm. He threw a bad interception, um, and look, he, he ended up going and, and, and running away. But they were. He was a net. He was passing the ball. He was a net negative in this game, uh, as far as expected points uh, allowed and expected points per play. He was a net negative passing the ball. And that's not going to cut it. No, nope. it's not going to cut it down the stretch with with bigger, with much tougher opponents than Mizzou mm-hmm. uh, coming up. The running game ended up being absolutely sensational in this game, and ended up it ended up not mattering how he threw the ball. But uh, he was not good. Zach yep. Calzado was not good in this game, and so I don't know. Like it's one of those things that I think for A and M fans, you take the win and you run, and you don't you don't apologize for it. Right. You but like I think conquers. that I think that you still have some concerns about Zach Calzado from week to week. Um, yeah. yeah, they're going to play much tougher teams. Oh, yeah, much tougher than, defenses. Yeah, most Mizzou. certainly. What's next, Pickle? Up next, make a play on the over-under of 48 for Texas State, 31-28 to 28 against Troy. So it ended up being the over. Yeah, which y'all both took the under. We both took the under. So um, wrong. And, and this game ended up being, what's funny is that this game ended up being, um, I want to say at halftime it was pretty high scoring. Like I knew we were toast at halftime, mm-hmm. um, because of the way that like they they came out. I, I want to say this game was like twenty one seventeen at halftime or something like that. Um, so yeah, I knew we were toast at halftime. Look, it's same song, different verse for for Texas State. Like this was, um, you know, give a little bit of credit to the offense. They were able to figure a little bit of things out, um, but but barely. They could not run the ball for the life of them no they were it was bad horrifying they were and and as a result they were asking brady mcbride to go out there and do everything and he was okay but not good enough and in the end a lot of a lot of the little things ended up dooming them um you know they were minus four the turnover margin 
that seems bad. Mm-hmm. Seems bad. Um, but in the end, you know, look, they kept it close. Maybe that's a sign of life. They they were in this game into the in, kind of into the third or fourth quarter. But I don't know. I think it's a lost season for Texas State too. Just yeah. disappointing. What's next, Pickle? Up next, on a positive note here, what happened to Baylor's offense last week, and is it sustainable? And they take down a, a ranked BYU program at the time, 38-24, to 24, in a really good showing. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. We, we mentioned the thing that happened last week was that the offensive line got on track and mm-hmm. started playing really, really well. Well, they were excellent yeah. against BYU. Excellent again. And that offensive line's starting to figure it out. Mm-hmm. They're giving Gary Bohannon time to throw. Abram Smith had a huge game. Tristan Ebner had a couple of big runs as well. It looked like a complete team it out did. there. It was it really did. impressive. It looked very complete. It starts with that offensive line, and that's where it's got to start for them. If their offensive line plays well, then they're going to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they played really well against BYU. They come away with a win. Uh, so, yeah, I think it may be sustainable. Now, I thought BYU was a little overcooked at 19. Yeah. Uh, and they're tougher. I, I think that this is pretty clearly their best win of the year in mm-hmm. my opinion even better than Iowa State um, but you know tougher tests ahead they get a bye week and then they get Texas uh, they still got Oklahoma on the schedule yeah I, I think for for, B, for if you're Baylor you're feeling pretty good about yeah. about the way your offense is trending right now so good 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 doings there for Baylor up next we're going to go to Texas Tech Matt Wells is on the hot seat there's no question about that but is there anything he can do Saturday to change that and I think both of you said not really, unless he got blown out. But with a forty-one to fourteen win over Kansas, they did what they needed. To. Yeah, and and you know what? I will just say, pretty good. You know, that's what you should do on the road against a team that you overmatched. Is that that game was over in the second quarter? Basically, they came out. The offense looked really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they rang up four hundred fifty-two total yards. Uh, they were especially good. That really a good balance to what they were able to do. They were able to throw the ball with Henry Columbia a little bit. Uh, they didn't ask him to throw a ton, but really the running game took center stage. The running game was excellent in this game. Um, they and and yeah, even being you know minus one the turnover margin, they were able to um, they were able to come up with a, with a big win and dominate a team that they should dominate. Mm-hmm. And so if you're looking for signs of life for for uh, Tech, I mean it's so strange to mention this, but like it is worth it is worth bringing up, guys. Um, Texas Tech, and, and and maybe you guys haven't noticed this. Texas Tech is five and two. I'm sorry, they're five, yeah, they're five and two, and we're talking about Matt Wells being buried and stuff like that. They are five and two, yeah. And it's like maybe they figure it out. I mean, the rest of their schedule. I think I it's if, just the the way that they've lost when they've lost has just oh for been sure. Look, the two the two losses stink, and and one of the one of the wins stinks in in Stephen F. Austin, mm-hmm. right? But like they're going to play Kansas State next this week. That is a very at home. That's a very real winnable, telling game. Very winnable right game. Very winnable game. I don't know. Like there's tougher tests ahead. Yeah, they've got but, Oklahoma after but that. But as, as far as a bowl game is concerned, they're, they're, they could be bowling after this year, and we could still be talking about Matt Wolves on the hot seat. It's a strange situation. What's next, Pickle? <laughs> Up next, how about that? Those nationally ranked Roadrunners after they. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely put a beating a, on Rice, 45 to nothing. But is there suddenly a reason for concern of UTSA's defense? What a dum-dum I am. <laughs> um, well, we, the answer we to that was we no. It wasn't going to be against Rice. It wasn't going to rear its ugly head against Rice. No. And the defense um, absolutely smothered Rice. Yeah, Rice couldn't do anything. Rice's, Rice's passing attack, They th- do you know how many yards they threw for? I do not. 36. <laughs> They went 8 for 16 for 36 yards. 
Uh, they did throw. The strange thing is they did throw two touchdowns. Or I'm sorry, that's not true. Uh, they they did throw. They threw two interceptions. I was like, they did game. not throw. No, a they didn't throw two touchdowns. <laughs> it was a shutout. It was it was a absolutely dominant p- performance defensively. Look, Rice's offense is bad. They they still haven't figured it out. But give a lot of credit to UTSA. That's what happens when a good team plays a bad team. Mm-hmm. And and give a lot of credit to uh, to to. To UTSA's defense, who I think answered the call after a couple of weeks of kind of shaky performances, they were they were playing with their hair on fire. Now they are nationally ranked. What's next, pickle? Up next was our small school game of the week. Are you buying that UT Permian Basin as a legit Lone Star Conference contender? Um, yeah, unfortunately for UT Permian Basin, this uh, this didn't go the way that they no. were planning. Thirty-four to fourteen. Thirty-four to fourteen, uh, and Angelo really jumped all over them, twenty to seven at halftime, and then pulled away in that third quarter and really never looked back. Even you could even say that thirty-four fourteen is is generous. Yeah. Um, a really impressive uh, performance from from Angelo. I think this is a, a a come back to earth kind of moment for for Justin Kerrigan and Permian Basin. They kind of got to retrench from here and see if they can figure things out. I would say it's disappointing for UT Permian Basin, but uh, but for for Angelo, you feel good about that win, and, and, yeah. and maybe you can be that kind of spoiler there in the Lone Star Conference, which is suddenly still wide open. What's next, Pickle? Up next, the question for TCU was over under on 175 yards of rushing against Oklahoma. That game ended 52 to 31 in favor of the Sooners. Uh, yes, it did, and TCU ran for a grand total of. I'm pulling it up. We said 175. Boy, that was a good line. They ran for 183. <laughs> I think you took the under. I think I took the under too, uh, but. Talk about setting a good line. But you're pumped about your line. I'm setting. A, I'm. I'm. I'm pumped though. How did you do it again? I basically looked at like both averages and, and like, then just and split just it. Kind of split the difference. Look. Um. So Zach Evans didn't play in this game. Yeah. That was that's obviously hurt them. Kendra Miller did have uh, a you know a, a couple nice plays, but they were functionally without even without their best player, they were able to run the ball a little bit, which is which is promising, but you know. Defense. The defense continues to just be an absolute train wreck, and they got torched by Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. Torched in every conceivable way. Candy Brooks ran for one fifty three as well. I mean, the defense. It's strange to. It's just we live in bizarre world where TCU's offense is like pretty darn good, and their defense is a train wreck. Um, it's really disappointing. All right, do we have one last one? We sure do, and that was. Uh, I'm sorry. Do you do you hear bowling pins? Um, in the distance here is Jacob Cowing, the most underrated receiver in the nation. And how about the Miners? 19 to three over La Tech, and they're six and one. I sat here on this very program. You did. We could pull the tape. You could pull the tape, <laughs> and I told you they're winning this game. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they did handily. And by the way, even with the question, we kind of nailed it. Yep. Jacob Cowing, he didn't have a touchdown. Nine catches, 166 yards receiving. Okay? Let me pull up the national rankings as far as receiving is concerned. I mean, this guy is going to have a legitimate claim to being, like, on some All-American teams. Yeah. He's been great. He's ninth in the nation in in receiving yards per game. Ninth. Jacob Cowling at Ding Dong UTEP. (laughs) Bull eligible. (laughs) Did you see their uh, their video of the uh, the bowling and the players fell down? Amazing. That was great. That was great. So good. Uh... Super fired up for them. That's awesome. Yeah. The Sun Bowl was rocking, too. I yeah, don't man. know if you saw any videos of them, kind of like all the fans in the little uh, corridor portion right there by the mine shaft, but it was amazing. It was it was awesome, and you feel great for Jacob Cowing and, and UTEP and, and what they've been able to do. You know, I asked some people 
Um, I I, got, I didn't really get a response from from anybody on Twitter, but I was asking some Arizona high school football people if Jacob Cowing was a big. He, he's from Maricopa High School in in in, um, in Arizona. If he was a big kind of deal in high school, if he was a big deal because like he's a big deal now. And I don't know. It's it's it, talk about a diamond in the rough that they found, and they are cooking right, with grease right now, mm-hmm. cooking with Crisco, and the Utah Miners are bowl eligible. So there it is, your college football recap. We are Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. You can like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Pickle. Terry Max and Dave Campbell's Texas Football are proud to present... Or, or, I'm sorry, are proud to team up this year to honor excellence in coaching and the hard work that assistant coaches put in on behalf of their teams. Each week, the Texas Football staff nominates four deserving assistant coaches for the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week and let the fans decide on the winner via Twitter poll. It all leads up to the Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Year decided at season's end. Your Week 8 Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees... McCamey special teams coordinator Jonathan Duran. The Badgers returned a blocked punt for a touchdown, returned a kickoff for a touchdown, blocked a PAT, and successfully converted a fourth down on a fake punt in their 42-32 win over Wink. Love to include the special teams, guys. DeSoto defensive coordinator Tony Holmes. The Eagles stymied our rival Cedar Hill in the annual Battle of Beltline, holding the Longhorns at just 70 yards and forcing a trio of turnovers in a dominating 45-0 victory. Amarillo Paladuro defensive coordinator Danny Snyder. The dangerous Dons defense dominated district foe Lubbock, shutting out the Westerners for a 24-0 victory. And finally, center offensive coordinator Brock Grigsby. The Rough Riders exploded for 532 yards total offense and nabbed their first victory of the year, taking down Shepard in a wild 60-44 shootout. So those are your Dairy Max Built by Chocolate Milk Assistant Coach of the Week nominees. Vote now on Twitter at DCTF. Pickle, let's go to the hotline, and let's bring in the Hall of Fame voice of Texas high school football, the Hall of Fame voice of the Texas Longhorns. You can hear him on the horn in Austin every weekday, and you can see him uh, co-host High School Scoreboard Live alongside Rick Renner and myself. He is the great Craig White. Craig, how are you, my friend? Are you a chocolate milk drinker? I enjoy myself a little bit of chocolate milk from time to time. I bet Hank would be on board with that. Uh, he probably. So, so I don't know if Hank's. Ever, ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if Hank's ever had chocolate milk. What? I don't. What know. kind of parenting is that? All right. <laughs> All right. There's three people in this convers or there's three people in this conversation. Two of us have kids, and the one is giving us parenting advice. Yes. That's interesting. I just I just walked into a room and dropped a little stink bomb and walked right out. <laughs> you, just, you stepped on the hornet's nest and ran. My goodness. Uh, it's Craig Way, the Texas High School Football Hall of Famer, joining us here on Texas Football Today. All right, Craig. Um, it seems to me that this time of year, and maybe it's just because we're getting into district play, or maybe it's just because this is the way that contenders look, it seems to me that this time of year we always start talking about defenses. We always start talking about absolutely dominant defenses as kind of separating the the, the, the contenders from the so-called pretenders. And and I am interested in why you think that is, even though it, it kind of goes against what we think, which is offenses take a little bit more time, a little bit more seasoning to get to get to, to get going, and yet the defenses are the ones that are winning these critical district games. I look at Winthorson Munster as a perfect example, or or Lubbock Cooper's win over Wichita Falls Rider. Do you have a theory on why that is, or is it just a matter of 
great teams have great defenses. That's the end of it. Well, you can start from that baseline. And then I think there's a couple other things at, at, at heart. And, and talking with some high school coaches uh, this week and in some prior weeks, the vibe I get is part of the reasons that the defense, part of the reason that the defenses have been so good is because there's been, I don't know if it's an elevated, it's probably a regular uh, amount of injuries to key offensive players. And when that happens, you're going to see defensive players and defensive uh, units step up. Now, there are notable exceptions. I mean, obviously, in the case of Westlake, a club that goes out with an injury and, uh, you know, there's there's no trouble. They just pick up right where they left off and, and go on from there. But there are teams who are heavily reliant on, say, a running back or a quarterback or a key receiver. And if that, and if that guy gets injured, it slows down the offense and then the other team ramps up its defense. That's unless you have a rash of injuries on the defensive side of the football. But I think we do see a little bit of it more in weeks seven, eight, nine, and 10. Sometimes coaches for precautionary reasons are going to hold a player or two out for an extra week or so until they get to the playoffs when they really need them. So, and then as you know, Tep, sometimes we see electric craziness happened with offensive point productions in by district and area of games. Some of that also is controlled environment get inside a dome and, um, you know, cause coaches are trying to get away from the weather and once the weather turns and so they get in there and all of a sudden the points start lighting up the scoreboard. So I think it's kind of a trickle down, but it is all connected with why defenses might be playing better now. And then come the postseason, offenses kind of resume their position of putting up lots of points. So the the other thing about this time of year, because we are in um we're into week nine and we we are believe it or not at the exact midway point of the season we are as close to the week one as we are to the state championships at AT and T Stadium, um but one of the things that I think is 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 really remarkable about this time of year is that we maybe take our eye off of the normal games that we would be paying attention to, and start focusing a little bit more on the edges and start focusing let's put it this way everyone's looking forward to Lake Travis and Westlake I think that that's in week 11 everyone's excited about getting the battle of the lakes etc etc and yet I would look at a game this week like Del Valley and and San Marcos and say this is the time of year when we start paying as much attention to games like that, which are going to determine like fourth place in a district as opposed to that. And and it seems like this is, you know, maybe it's just the changing of the seasons or what it is, whatever it is. But it seems like this is the time of year where maybe we take our eye off of those those, those number one seeds who maybe have everything locked down and, and, and maybe are, are just kind of playing out the string till the playoffs and focus more on, okay, who's going to get in, who's going to, who's going to be left at home, who's going to be blown up basketballs on, on November 10th or whatever. You know, uh, you know how you like to say that, that you and I are whatever sick and nerdy and weird yeah. about such things. It's true. Uh, as I, and, and, and all of it's true, by the way, the, <laughs> the, um, uh, to extend your example further, Lake Travis is playing Bowie this week. It's a pretty good matchup. Mm-hmm. really is. Pretty good matchup there. But I will tell you that probably there will be more interest focused on the aforementioned San Marcos del Valley game because that is a realistic uh, elimination game for the fourth playoff spots. The winner is not necessarily in but and, and isn't in at, at the moment, but the loser almost certainly is out. It's kind of like what they say in – 
uh, pro golf, you can't lose a tournament. You can't win a tournament on the first day, but you can lose it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if whoever loses that game is probably out of the mix, the winner is definitely still in the mix. And the shakeup could further on down the road, say if Del Valley were to defeat San Marcos, San Marcos uh, has that late season game coming up against Aikens. Aikens is still a factor in it, but Del Valley already owns a win of Aikens. If Del Valley gets in the playoffs, that pushes Bowie to the Division II uh, rank, and the further trickle down means that means a by district matchup between Bowie and Vandegrift. Whereas if, say, San Marcos or Aikens gets in, then Bowie stays in Division I, and it's a different by district opponent even for Vandegrift. So th- there's a trickle down on that. The other thing it leads to, Tab, is what you and I like to go into the, the crazy in this case, numerical week 11 that we're talking about, the end of the regular season with all the point differentials and the tiebreakers. I had a dream the other night about points plus tiebreakers. That's how sick I am. But I was already dreaming about ceilings of plus 17 and stuff like that. I'm sitting there in a the room with people trying to trying to explain uh, points plus tiebreakers. We're getting closer to that time of year, no doubt. Uh, what's sad is that I've had that same dream. Uh, it's Craig White, the Texas High School Hall of Famer, joining us here on Texas Football Today. Get involved in the conversation, hashtag TF Today. All right, I'm, I'm going to fast forward to one, uh, to a, a normal topic of conversation that we have on, on this program, which is I'm going I'm to I'm gonna offer you three games, give you an opportunity to teleport to any of them uh, to be involved in them or to, to, to get an eye on them. You can teleport to uh, Lucas, Texas for Frisco and Lucas Lovejoy. You can teleport to, let's say, I guess it's at Freedom Field. I think that's where this game is being played. Freedom Field for uh, Fort Bend Hightower and Katie Pato. Or you can go to Central Texas and watch China Spring and Salado. Which of those three would you teleport to? You know what? I, if you had added the fourth one mm-hmm. and, said, and said North Shore and C.E. Yeah. King... I would have said, how dare you throw all of that at me? You know, yeah, it's tough true. enough with the other three as it is. Uh, those are those are great matchups. Probably pushed into a corner. I'd probably go for Hightower and Peto uh, because, uh, you know, we're, we've been talking about teams that have a chance to do great damage in the postseason. And just as we just got through uh, commiserating about teams that wind up in the third and fourth spot, when we get a legitimate district championship matchup on our hands for a team either of the who wins that game that has an opportunity to go deep in the playoffs uh, you know it, i that's where i'm going to lean a lot of times i love seeing the battles for the third and fourth but if you've got teams that are unbeaten in district play and in some cases even unbeaten overall and they're about to go at it uh we could see that next week with with uh, Dripping Springs and Buta Johnson, they could both be a, a perfect eight no going into it. That you know, we, there's already a lot of talk about that down here in Austin about the possibility of that game next week. So anytime you have one of those matchups, you love to go ahead and pick that if you can, and that's why I would probably lean toward uh, Pato against Hightower. All right, and now uh, you are, of course, the the play-by-play voice of the Texas Longhorns. Uh, the Texas Longhorns do not have a game this week. They are on their open date. What does an open date look like for the voice of the Texas Longhorns? Well, um, 
a lot of times it's it's pretty sedate, Tap. There's a lot of times I'm not doing too much, but just to kind of give you an idea what's what the rest of the week is like. I, I had originally decided I was going to take off uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week because I wanted to visit my mom who's in assisted living. I wanted to do that. But then the one thing gets added and another thing gets added and another thing. And so this is how it breaks down. When we get done... I'm going to start driving north to the Metroplex. Linda and I have tickets for uh, James Taylor and Jackson Browns tonight in Fort Worth. So we're going to be at Dickey's Arena for that. Tomorrow, um, as you and Pickle both have done, I'm uh, guest speaking at the, the sports broadcasting class at North Texas. Cool. That had been scheduled for some time. So uh, so there's that. Uh, I'm actually driving back down here Thursday because we do a special basketball preview show for Longhorn Basketball with Chris Beard on Thursday. I'll be back up there to be with you on Friday. And then Saturday's up in the air. Lynn and I are considering one of two options, either Dodgers-Braves game six in Atlanta, if the Dodgers don't completely fold over and, and get beat out of that, or New Orleans to see the Doobie Brothers with Michael McDonald. Still still fleshing that one out, but yeah, so that, that's kind of what the rest of the week may look like. What a rough life you lead. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and if your choices are game six of the NLCS or the Doobie Brothers and Michael McDonald in New Orleans. Uh, okay, and finally... I guess we can probably break a little bit of news here. Actually, I'm going to toss this over to our Texan Live uh, Grand Poobah over there <laughs> in Ashley Pickle. Pickle, do you have something you want to tell us? We do. We are extremely excited to announce that both of these gentlemen, Craig Way on play-by-play and Mr. Uh, Bowtie over there, Greg Tepper, will Careful. be calling a game in week 11. It'll be Georgetown versus Pflugerville Weiss on Thursday night, 7 o'clock, I believe, yep. on uh, on Texan Live. So wow. both of you making your Texan Live debut. Wow. Craig, it, we're, we're finally going to do it. We're going to we're gonna call. And, and Georgetown and Weiss could be a colossal and deeply important game there in week 11. Absolutely. It could mean whether Georgetown gets in. It could mean whether they might have a shot at at least sharing a district title. It could mean whether Weiss uh, could win a district title outright. They got a big game with Maynard this week on the road. So there's some there's there's some things hanging out there. So thanks to Pickle for setting that up. Now, forewarned is forearmed. So we, let's just warn everyone. There's not enough not enough airspace to keep the two of us from shutting up during the course of the game. So we'll do our best to do what we can, but I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be an exciting time. And just to be able to say, you know, the amount of expectoration that's going to go on those windscreens on the microphones to say the feel that Pflugerville is, is just thrilling to think about. So I'm excited about it. It's a great facility, and Todd Raymond and his staff do a fabulous job with the Pflugerville ISD, so they'll welcome us with open arms, and I'm looking forward to it. We're looking forward to uh, Craig Way making his Texan Live debut November 4th. Make sure you are there for that. He's Craig Way. He's a Texas High School Hall of Famer. You can listen to him on the horn in Austin, but don't do it anymore. I I think he's done for the week. He's going to go. He's gallivanting around Texas, Uh, but you can catch him Friday night on Valley Sports Southwest uh, co-hosting High School Scoreboard Live. Craig, appreciate your time, my friend, and I will see you on Friday. I'll bring the chocolate milk to the Pflugerville, uh, the field of Pflugerville. Yes, when we do this thank case. you, Craig. Yes, I appreciate you, Craig. <laughs> All right. There he goes. Craig White, the Texas High School Ball Hall of Famer, joins us every Tuesday here on Texas Football Today. And, yeah, how about that, guys? So excited. We have been able to secure a date 
for Craig Way, uh, we we worked with his people, and uh, and tried to make this happen. Uh, I mean, I don't know about you. I thought, um, I thought the negotiations went well. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know we had to we we're paying a little bit more than we wanted to, but you know mm-hmm. that's what you get for a legend, right? You know yeah, I mean? it, uh, a Hall of Famer comes with a price Hall of tag. Famer, of course. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, but no, we're excited. It's going to be Craig and I calling Flugerville Weiss and Georgetown yeah. live on Texan Live. Um, and like he said, and, shout out to Pflugerville Athletic Director uh, Todd Raymond for for letting absolutely. us us jabronis march in there and, and call a game. Well, and 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 I'll I'll just I'll be entirely honest. Craig has been like, Craig has been pretty gung ho about calling a game on Texan Live. He's mm-hmm. wanted to. He mentioned that to me a few weeks ago. He's like, man, you know, I'd love to call a game on Texan. He's Live like, do you, you think y'all have room for me? And I was and like. like uh, you want the red carpet? <laughs> uh, yeah, and so we're excited to have Craig. I mean, because here's the thing: Craig only calls how many? I mean, he calls the, he calls Texas football days, mm-hmm. and then he calls like the state champion, the state championship. Yeah. He, so does, he only calls about like now. Let's say he calls like six or seven in the state championship games. Yeah. Say six or seven. Let's he say does seven. some. I think he does some random games throughout the year every now and then, but not on a consistent not, basis. Yeah, and so it's a treat. To have the voice of Texas high school football. So excited. It's going to be calling a game on Texan Live. We're excited about that. We hope you will tune in there on November 4th. It's week 11. Pflugerville, Weiss, and Georgetown. We're Texas Football Today. We're here every weekday at noon on TexasFootball.com, talking football in the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And, of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Pickle. Dave Campbell's Texas Football, and from now on, are proud to team up this year to honor one head football coach in each classification with a Coach of the Week award. Each coach selected, or each coach selected with the with a, for the special honor, typifies the best in Texas high school football. Your Week Eight, from now on, coaches yes. of the week. In 6A, Cedric Hardman from Conroe. Coach Hardman has the Tigers right in the thick of the District 13 6A playoff race as they improve to 4-3 and 3 and 2-0 in district play with a 41-35 win over Conroe Grand Oaks. Looking for their first playoff appearance since 2012. In 5A, Eric Ezar from Brian Rudder. Coach Ezar and the Rangers all are all but in the playoffs for the first time in school history with a huge 17-12 win over Fullshear to improve to 3-1 in District 10-5A Division II play. In 4A, Stephen Greek from Ferris. First-year coach Greek has the Jackets buzzing in Ellis County after improving to 4-3 and three on the year, and most importantly, 1-0 in District 5-4A Division II with a key 21-13 win over Godley. In 3A, Casey Pierce from Breckenridge. Pierce has returned to his alma mater, and in his second season at the helm, he has the Buckaroos on the right path. After several nail-biting losses in non-district play, Breckenridge is 2-0 in District 3-3A Division I play with a 37-20 win over Early. On two A in two A, David Sign from Johnson, Johnson City rather, Johnson City. Coach Sign has Johnson City flying high in 2021, off to a sizzling six and one start after a dominating 58 nothing win over Brackettville. In one A, DJ Howell from Miami. First year coach Howell nabs his first win, the biggest win of his young tenure, knocking off previously unbeaten district rival Headley in a 53-47 nail biter. And the private school rakes. Bobby Lindquist from Tomball Concordia Lutheran. Coach Lindquist Crusaders bowed their necks in overtime against district rival Katie St. John the 23rd, getting a defensive stop and a game-winning touchdown from Andrew Shrewsbury in the second extra frame to bring home a 34-28 win. So those are your Week 8 from now on. Coaches of the Week. Uh, let me make sure I get this right. Congratulations to all the coaches, and thank you for all you do for your players, schools, and communities. For more information on how your school can get a one-stop shop experience that transforms how it connects with fans and communities, visit from-now-on.com. 
one last do thing to do today, Pickle, and that is to roll out the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Top 10 Plays of the Week. Got a good batch this week. We ask you guys to uh, send us your plays. Use the hashtag top, uh, DCTF Top 10, and we will collate them. Pickle will then go through them and figure out which one she likes and which one she doesn't. Mm -hmm. This is all about her. This, this is, is a true. vanity project for her. Absolutely. Here is the Week 8 Dave Campbell's Texas Football Top 10 Plays of the Week. <laughs> Afterburners. Kobe Trahan has the 20, the 10, fire! Good night, touchdown Indians. Bayers in his own end zone, swings it right side. Really nice throw balls caught. Kendall Stewart up the field, still on his feet. Foot race, midfield. 40, 30, still on his feet, and he is gone. First and ten. Owens quick pass outside. Caught and breaking a tackle and getting up the sideline. Landon Arrington. One man to beat and he's going to score. Touchdown side fair. 52 yards. In Science Academy. Willett, what time? Fires down the field. Pass caught by Marsh. Marsh got it. At the 34-yard line. Hobbin in the pistol. Looking back, looks downfield. Has a man, it's tipped. And are they going to say it's touchdown, Mustangs? Touchdown dog is the uh, final play there, the number one play. Uh, <laughs> you can hear the PA guy in the background go, touchdown for the dog. <laughs> Love it. And it was the best part. Uh, anyway, there's our DCTF top 10 plays of the week. Remember, if you see a play that is worthy of being a top 10 play of the week, make sure you go to hashtag, or you send it to us with hashtag DCTF top 10. Let's go over to Ashley Pickle from America's Second Favorite Segment. Final thoughts? Um, the big chatter today in the comments on YouTube was the uh, November 6th UTEP versus UTSA is starting, like the hype train is officially rolling. Mm -hmm. 
that's going to be it's going to be a big game it's going to be a big one who would have thought yeah i was just like think about go back to 2019 and tell me that no 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 no, no. even work go three months ago yeah go back to june that's true right Go back to to, to yeah, August. Pull the 1st. clip of us talking about and us being like, boy, it would be great UTEP. if UTEP could win a game. Yeah, right. And now they're bowl eligible. UTSA is undefeated. Mm-hmm. Fun times in El Paso and in San Antonio. Fun times. Um, other than that, I guess we. Or never mind. No, I'm just out on Friday. Y'all are doing a show this Friday, not yeah. next Friday. Okay, that's yeah. yeah. Never mind. Anything okay, else? no no programming notes. It's gonna do it for us. Thanks for spending a little bit of your day with us, and thanks for spending the last six years with us. This is the last show, so we're done. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbell's. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbell's. And of course, see us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to the Hall of Famer, Craig Way, for being our guest. For former producer, Max Thompson, and for current producer, Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tupper. Vince Young, please meet your Player of the Year trophy. We'll see if we see you tomorrow. Will we go six years plus one day? I don't know. Find out tomorrow on Texas Football Today. <laughs>